All right, coming up on Verse Chorus Verse, the intro will be best left to Henry Rollins, who was quoted as saying this. When they finally write the real book on rock and roll, when all the dust settles and the truth is finally told, when they get it right, one of the bands at the top of the mountain, along with your David Bowies and Rolling Stones, will be Joy Division, because they are easily as great as any band that ever existed. That is next. Woohoo. Oh, Welcome to episode 40 of Verse Chorus Verse. I am DL. With me is Rachel Polio. Rachel, how are you? Uh, good. Good. I'm great. Do I have to edit that? <laughs> Maybe. Um, we are here to try the best we can to dissect Joy Division, which is going to be not that easy. Before we do that, I want to talk about the music in the intro. That was from an artist that goes by the name of Noah Flourish. There honestly was not that much information on him online. I have been talking to him on Instagram. He is out of Lincoln, Nebraska. The music is very good. I dig it. The song on the intro was Alone With My Thoughts. He has one full album and then some singles. The full album, which is on Spotify or Bandcamp or wherever you want, is going to have a couple of bonus tracks dropping the day that we're recording this. So it will already be on there. So go check them out. Noah Flourish, really, really good artist, at Noah, N-O-A-H, Flourish, which is F-L-O-E-R-S-C-H, official. So at Noah Flourish, official, that is what you want to listen to. Joy Division, Rachel. David. Did you know anything about Joy Division before I asked you to dissect this with me? I knew that they were a band that existed. I'd heard the name before. I didn't know that I had heard any of their music before. I've always been a really big Joy Division fan, which anybody that listens to this probably is not surprised by that. But I did think that you would be a really good second person to do this with because there's so much studying that you can do Mm, for this band. There's so much to research. So many facts. Exactly. Did you have fun with this or was this hard? Both. It was definitely fun because, because they existed for such a short period of time. There wasn't a ton to study, but there was a ton to study, if that makes any sense. It was more about the people and less about the music. Emotionally, I have to say, I am happy I didn't study more (laughs) because it was really Mm -hmm. tough. And it was really tough because I listened to the music and then I studied about the band and all the band members and got devastated and then re-listened to the music. And it was just much sadder afterwards. So (laughs) I liked the music before I realized how fucking depressing it yeah. is yeah this is um yeah. i think if you were to do a top five most depressing bands as far as music and stories of all time i think joy division is probably going to be way up there yeah in my chat with evil today i said i'm finally done studying joy division funny thing that they have joy in their name it's a trap don't fall why for do it. you have a chat with evil i've always had a chat me. with evil i do have a chat with you i have two chats with you I have three chats with you. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's fine. Tonight, we need to talk about the most important... When when you are talking Joy Division, you have to drink. Unless drinking takes you further down the hole, in which don't drink <laughs> if you're listening to Joy Division. Right, bad idea. That said, I get a little happier when I drink 92% of the time. <laughs> Rachel, what are you drinking tonight? I do like to stay on brand, so part of me just wanted to be like... Would a rock star's drink? And I just want to drink Jack Daniels from the bottle or like something just like tough and angry. Uh, That is so not on brand for you. No, it's not. And it didn't sound like a good idea. So I went over to the Albertsons and I spend it up and I got this stout from Boise Brewing Company. It's a chocolate milk stout, dark daisy. I don't think that's going to go the way you think it's going to go, Rachel. I don't think so either. (laughs) 
So are you? But I'm excited. Are you a beer drinker? No. No is the short answer. The long answer is if I'm bowling and there's a cheeseburger, then yes, I am a beer drinker. But generally, I, I like a mixed drink or wine or something that tastes like a milkshake, which we all know. What do you think of that one right now? It's actually not horrible. So my taste buds are still off. Oh, that's right. So I can't give you a great what it tastes like. For the last year, all beer just tastes very beery, if that makes any sense. You know like what's just, weird? Yeah. That's what it tastes like to me, too. All beer? It tastes, tastes like beer? It tastes beery. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> it said it was brewed with chocolate milk. I don't know if I taste the milk, but I definitely feel like I can taste the chocolate in it. So. What's the bad. what's the brewery one more time? Uh, Boise Brewing. It's not bad. Rachel is drinking a beer. I have two drinks. I have malt liquor <laughs> because one of the Instagram pics that I took last night actually was of the new Killers album. So I wanted a white trashy photo. And then... I also made, and I have somebody surprising to thank for this, a cocktail called the Joy Division. Rachel sent me this like six hours ago, five hours ago, something like that. It was not even that long ago, was it? It made me happy. I did not know that there was a cocktail called the Joy Division. It's two parts gin. It's one part dry vermouth, half part Cointro, a rinse of absinthe in the glass, a lemon peel twisted over. It's actually really good. It sounded really good. But I don't, here's the thing. I don't know that it fits Joy Division. Hmm. When it has all the gin notes, I do think London, which hmm. is good. But it's a little too sweet. Hmm. When you're listening to Joy Division, you want something that a coal miner drinks, right? <coughs> right. Okay. <laughs> so that's what we're drinking tonight. We're going to go ahead and get into as best we can without bumming every... Everybody's going to get bummed out. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Um, we're going to get into Joy Division. We'll be right back. And I'm a kid on the sideline Just picking at grass Cause the other team is bigger And they're kicking my ass And so the coach Drink more! We are back. Let's talk some Joy Division. Before we get into that, the music that you heard coming in from the break was from Noah Flourish. The song was called The Door. Very good song. I say it every time. I'm going to keep saying it. I pick the music that comes on here. It's not like anybody tells me to play it or pays me to play it or anything like that. Artists ask if I want to. I listen to it. If I like it, I play it. I liked this. This is very, very good stuff. It's kind of a... Elliot Smithish, Bon Iverish, almost like real folksy, like a new age folksy, I guess we'll call it. Anyway, the door name of that song really good at Noah Flourish official. That's where you want to go. Once again, his last name because it's difficult is spelt F L O E R S C H. That's what you're gonna want to do. Joy Division. This is just such a hard band to tackle. And I know so many people have done it and have done it so much better than we're going to do it, but fuck it. <laughs> you have so much faith in us. I don't. There's there's <laughs> just, there's so many documentaries and so many oh, sure, yeah. obsessive fans. You can argue or not argue how much you like Joy Division, but nobody can deny that they are one of the most influential bands that ever existed yeah yeah for sure rachel and david agreeing this entire episode maybe <laughs> i'm actually really interested because i have no idea coming into this what you think about joy division i don't know if mm -hmm. you are into them if you're not I feel really good about that i'm going to do some quick facts and crap rachel mcstats is going to check me if i'm wrong in retrospect now that i'm thinking about it this should just be your spiel no because what if i'm wrong and somebody points it out <laughs> so you like me okay so Rachel wants I like to correct correcting me. you. I get it. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, this band was founded in New Zealand, right? <laughs> ah, she she knows. Ah. Exactly. <laughs> right. Founded in Salford, which is a suburb of Manchester. Manchester, especially back in these days, being the late seventies, was I don't want to say a shithole, but. I'm going to say a shithole. One of the band members we'll get into later is quoted as saying he didn't even see a tree until he was nine years old. It was all just factories and what's the European version of Levittowns? Brick and mortar. I have no idea. <laughs> um, so they got together in 76. 
They were originally going by the band name Warsaw. Eventually, you know, like any band that got together, they went through a couple name changes, that sort of thing. They didn't come out with their first album until 1978. The main Joy Division band members are Ian Curtis, the vocalist, which I would think anybody that's listening to a podcast like this knows who that is. Guitarist and keyboardist Bernard Sumner bassist Peter Hook, and drummer Stephen Morris. The infamous story for Joy Division is that Sumner and Hook were at a Sex Pistols concert in like 76 or something like that. And like any kid that would have been at a Sex Pistols concert, flipped out, said, holy shit, we should do something like that. And they did something like that. They came out with Unknown Pleasures being their first album, which is just fucking insane. Before that, they did have a EP. You don't know the name of that, do you? An Ideal for Living. Thank you so much. Ideal for Living. Yeah, with the whole, the little like Nazi drummer boy on the cover. Super, super weird shit. They eventually got a hold of a manager that was like, hey, well, chill out with the Nazi shit. People are not going to think it's ironic and just think that you're fucking Nazis. So, yeah. which we'll get into the whole Nazi thing later. Because Joy Division has one of the best or worst names of all time. Oh. <sighs> worst. <laughs> and I think best. That's, <laughs> that's really all I want to go into as far as the facts and stuff like that. Stats, did I miss anything? No, you got all my stats. hey um, I'm going to start right out the gate with you. You are, a, as you said, a Joy Division newbie. In the short time mm-hmm. you have gotten to know them, where did this leave you? Do you like them? Do you not? Is it too dark? Is the music too dated? Are you too much of a pop banger and this doesn't bang pop enough? Where are you with Joy Division? Yes. Good answer. Moving on. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Next question, please. <laughs> I enjoyed them so much, but fuck me. They were just so, so depressing because I sit there and read the lyrics of every song that I'm listening to. And so it's 10 times worse when you know what they're saying, but they're so talented. I mean, they really, really were. And coming out of punk and going into the 80s, they had a really interesting mix of vibes with them that made them so unique. And Ian Curtis's vocals were insane. So, so good. And and just went so well with everybody else in there. I knew you were going to ask this, so I was like struggling to think of... Will I ever put this on again for fun? (laughs) (laughs) And the answer is probably not. And that's why we were talking about yesterday. I asked you the Aronofsky film Requiem for a Dream. Because there was a song. Oh, now I get why. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, there's a song in there that kind of felt like that for me. Same kind of vibe. It's the same way I think about that film where it's like, I saw it once and it was amazing and I will never watch it again because exactly. it's too much. It's just way too much. I didn't realize why you had asked me that, mm-hmm. but it's such a shame because in the incredibly small amount of time that Joy Division was a band, holy fuck, the music that mm-hmm. they came out with. Yeah. Unknown Pleasures as a first album doesn't even make sense to me. There's like, yeah. I can think of a handful of people that have come out with a first album that would be anywhere close to that. And even then, not as influential. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think of people that would equate oh, okay. <laughs> equate to Ian Curtis. And I couldn't think of the only person that came even close for me was Jim Morrison. I couldn't really think of anybody else yeah. that maybe influenced him or would have held that same regard. Mm-hmm. I obsess over Ian Curtis for sure. That's not surprising. Personal influence, it, we pretty much just covered it with you. You don't really... Is that beer getting worse? <laughs> it's fine. It's so good. You made, you made two bitter faces <laughs> on that one. For me, it all happened when I was a little kid and The Crow came out. The movie The Crow. Oh, okay. I'm sure many people know this. For those of you that don't... On the Crow soundtrack, which is one of, if not the best soundtracks that ever lived in the history of anything. I had that Trent, soundtrack. Did you? Yeah. That is surprising for somebody that was terrified of Nine Inch Nails when they were a kid. <laughs> I was a little bit, yeah. In the Crow soundtrack, Trent Reznor has a cover of Dead Souls. <sighs> that song was just amazing. I had to look up everything about that song. Or, you know, back then there wasn't really Google, so I had to ask around. My Uncle Dan was like, you know, that's that's not a Nine Inch Nails song. That's Joy Division. 
And that got me hooked on Joy Division at a, at a very young age. Um, I was a casual fan until about my mid-20s when I was living in Reno and going through a really amazing point in my life where I wasn't at all addicted to anything or doing anything depressing. I, I saw a movie called 24-Hour Party People, which was about factory records, which was the record company that produced Joy Division's albums. And most of that movie was based around Joy Division. I've been a massive, massive fan ever since. They are one of my dark place bands, and I do like going to the dark place every now and then. Sometimes you just got to do it. Rachel, actually, Sven and I have talked about this before. Never talked to you about this. When you get into the dark mood, when you get into the bummed out stuff, are you the type of person that you're going to try to listen to something peppy and snake like are you going to put on some stevie wonder to get out of it or are you going to put on something like this to just hey i'm gonna soak it in i would probably be more of a soak it in person i like to wallow for a little bit yeah for like a week a week you, Jesus. you get you get a week and that's it <laughs> that's a long time well it depends on what it is we aren't gonna be able to get around not talking about depression right in this episode, right? Mm -hmm. You have said that you probably won't really listen to this again. No. What's your dark mood style? What would you listen to? What would I listen to? Probably. Do you, would you just not listen to music? Would you just? <sighs> I mean, I'd grab some McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd put on some Real Housewives. Okay. But if I had to choose music and then just wallow, it'd probably be a little like Fiona or something that's like mildly sad if you think too hard about it but not like i'm gonna cut my wrists let's talk about it yeah this is a hard question for you because you are such a new fan but how big of a fan do you consider yourself if you were at a party and this came on and somebody was like are you into joy division what, what do you feel about them what would yeah, you say yeah i mean just because it's it's the same thing with that film just because i'm not gonna watch it again or i don't really know that i'll turn it on to listen to it again doesn't take away from how good it is and what the talent is there. And I'd be happy to say, this was a great album and here are my top couple songs. Here's what you should listen to. But again, not not probably for me again, Yeah. even though it is really fantastic. I think that I'm a huge fan. I don't think people of my generation, I feel like are just going to have a harder time being as big of fans as the people of the previous generation. Like my uncle Dan grew up around this time. And I feel like he just understood being at shows around this era and you know, how, what the, mm -hmm. the punk mood was around then. So I feel like even though I can be a massive fan and play their albums all the time, and, and I don't feel like I'm going to understand the era of this music the same way that people like him are. So I'd, I'd say I'm a huge fan, but you weren't there, David. I know exactly. There have been times in my life where this music was really important to me. I already talked about Reno, where I really connected with these songs. Lyrics, are they good? Yes. Yes. Are there specific things that you liked or didn't like? Ooh, do I ever. Well, I'm, I'm excited. I want to see if we have any samesies. I loved Insight. Mm -hmm. You know that I hate repetition passionately. Yeah. Are we out of the woods yet? But it works you. for this one. I had written down Tears of Sadness for You, More Upheaval for You, Reflects a Moment in Time, A Special Moment in Time. Yeah, we wasted our time. We really didn't have time. God, that's Did, so good. Yeah, so good. That was at my uh, top of the best lyrics. How about you, Dave? Big fan of Mother I Tried, Please Believe Me. I'm doing the best that I can. I'm ashamed of the things I've been put through. I'm ashamed of the person I am. That's a punch to the gut. That's good. And then my yeah. next thing that I wrote down, which sounds like you were about to touch on, the entire song of She Lost Control. Yeah. The entire thing. Stats. Mm -hmm. Do you know what that song's about? No, I didn't look that one up. Do you know what Ian Curtis did for a living? Before Bef the band? Yeah, he had a bunch Duh. of different... Obviously, book off. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he was the lead singer for Joy Division, David. <laughs> <You> dumb shit. <laughs> Um, he did a bunch of like government work, didn't he? He worked with people with disabilities, trying to get them jobs and trying to... Oh, right, right, right. She's Lost Control is about a girl that he took a special interest in. And he had found out after her going and getting a job that she had had an epileptic fit at work and died. Mm. And that's what She's Lost Control is about. Yeah. If you didn't think it was depressing enough, there's that. <laughs> Pile it on. You remember that Saturday Night Live skit with they're at Disneyland 
And every time they say something, she says something depressing and then the it's music Debbie starts. Downer. I need to do Debbie Downer music here wah, and wah. just start. Yeah. <laughs> every, every time we say something like that. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. So I had She's Lost Control. I was into that one. Oh, see what I wrote? Feels like David would love this too. <laughs> um, I also loved... I feel like this is going to give away some stuff, but I loved Atrocity Exhibition. Yeah, the first song on Closer. Yes, it was the first song on Closer. It felt like a circus. What's the top hat guy? Like the circus. The ringleader? The ring. The ringleader. Master. Ringmaster. Ringmaster. Yeah. It felt like the ringmaster and he was calling and it was so interesting. It had such a good vibe to it. My next line is from that same exact song. <gasps> Go on. Ian Curtis, he became epileptic. Right. Between recording Unknown Pleasures and Closer. One of the lyrics in that song is, for entertainment, they watch his body twist. Behind his eyes, he says, I still exist. (sighs) (laughs) Back on Isolation, I had written some lyrics down for that one that, that made me think of Requiem was, Yeah. but if you could just see the beauty... These things I could never describe. These pleasures, a wayward distraction. This is my one lucky prize. Yeah. And that's what I was saying with the Jennifer Conley holding the drugs. Oh. It made me think of that. Oh, that's fucking good. Right? Good job, Rachel. Thanks, man. I could just cite lyrics all day for me and Curtis. I think you could. 24 hours, which is off of Closer. I never realized the lengths I'd have to go. All the darkest corners of a sense I didn't know. Just for one moment, I heard somebody call... Looked beyond the day in hand. There's nothing there at all. I have the same lyrics written down. Shut up. No, you don't. Beyond the day in hand, there's nothing there at all. We're basically besties. <laughs> um, Let's make a secret handshake. And every time I say these, I can just picture Ian Curtis's extremely young, dark, sunken eyes. It's mm-hmm. fuck. It's just the guy was brilliant. Mm-hmm. I very purposely didn't watch any documentaries or anything like that. I watched, I couldn't help it. There's a movie on Amazon prime. I think it's called closer. It's not a documentary. It's a movie and it's about Ian Curtis. I couldn't help it. I had to watch it. It was great. I felt like it was really accurate. I didn't make any notes or I didn't do anything to, to go with the podcast. Cause we want actually want to be accurate. Movies are not accurate, but if you ever want to just get a feel for what his presence was, it was actually a really good movie. The guy looks exactly like him. What did you think about their musicianship? Were there any instruments that stuck out to you? Was there anything that you cling to? What stuck out the most to me was the sweet bass. Mm. And then apparently on decades, I wrote sick keys. So apparently I enjoyed the keyboards on yeah. on decades. But I do have to say that I think the bass hit harder because it just felt sad. One of the primary sounds of post-punk, which to me, Joy Division basically founded post-punk. If you are a Cure fan, if you are an Interpol fan, any of those bands, which are completely influential, have Joy Division to thank because they started this whole thing. Point being is one of, if not the main things that you needed in this music was a very, very prominent, clear, low bass line. And Peter Hook, who was the bass player for Joy Division, just fucking killed it every single time. Their drummer would be going insane, really fast hi-hat or kind of drum machine style drums along with a snare. And then they would have a low uh, driving bass line. And then the guitar would be doing these higher, slower, simple riffs. That was post-punk. That was what mm-hmm. what it was. And then you had Ian Curtis doing the Ian Curtis. Right. That is a very long avenue to say that I agree that I think Peter Hook was incredible. That's just what I said. Why did you have to take so long to say it? it really, it's, it's the entire rhythm section because the drummer, uh, Stephen Morris, was incredible too. I do have to say, though, I did listen to uh, New Order just to hear. I didn't really go too deep in it because it was, you know, 45 albums to listen to. So I looked at their... Who's New Order, Rachel? New Order is the new Joy Division, Sands, Ian Curtis, and a couple other people. But There you go. uh, (laughs) Stephen Morris's drum skills are insane. And granted, I know he's been playing for like 40 odd years now, but holy shit, his drumming on... The album I listened to is live, and I know you hate a live album, but hot damn, that man is... He's so good. He's gotten so, so good. He was good, but he's... My reputation has been tarnished. I do not hate live <laughs> albums. 
I do not like to use live albums when I am ranking things. Oh, for sure. I don't think they should count. Okay, that's fine. I do like live albums. And I do think Joy Division, you have to listen to them live because they were a completely different band live. Yeah. Their live music, they are punk. They are loud and they are hyper and uh-huh. they are... Did you watch any videos of them live or anything like that? I didn't watch any videos. I did listen to a couple of the live tracks and I have to say like I don't hate a live album but I do hate a live mix from the late 70s that's just shit it's, it's so bad it's rough so I couldn't it's really because really I kind of wanted to compare and contrast but uh I couldn't really get through a lot of it because it was poorly mixed it was hard to judge really they were completely different and what's funny because of that when they recorded Unknown Pleasures none of them liked it mm-hmm. they thought it was too slow they thought it was too dark they thought it was too quiet and they weren't that when they were live mm-hmm. uh, which really is a testament and we'll talk about that later to the producer of unknown pleasures for creating that sound a sound which is one of the most prominent sounds in music Mm -hmm. so side projects solo projects they didn't have any Mm -hmm. this band was two years you know four years with two albums they didn't have time to do any shit like that Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to get to the actual albums. We are going to go through each album quickly. We're not going to do a dissection of an album. That'll be down the line. The answer is yes. The DL's 10 out of 10s will will happen. So let's get into Unknown Pleasures. Rachel, the 1979 album released by Factory Records. As I started listening to it, I wrote, Sounds like the soundtrack of my nightmares. <laughs> and it and that it made me wildly uncomfortable the entire time I was listening to it. But uh then I listened to closer. Everything got replaced with that album. Yeah. God, it was so good. I feel like I don't have anything new to say that we haven't covered already. Yeah. To be honest. It was produced by Martin Hannett. Mm-hmm. who I just said, you have to give so much of Joy Division's sound was because of Martin Hannett. Yeah. He found things in their sound that they weren't even seeing. And if it wasn't for him, the sound of this album would have been completely different. I don't know if it's because of Martin Hannett. I don't know if it's the writing, but this album is just one track after another of amazing fucking songs. Mm -hmm. There's so much empty space in it, which wasn't a thing back then. It was very apparent on Unknown Pleasures that his eyes had been on suicide for a really long time. Insight, the song Insight. Yeah. I don't have any lines in front of me, but basically it's... I mean, there was a lot of I don't care anymore in there. Yes, that repeated long long time ago i watched a documentary it was a real documentary it was the actual band members and it, the only people that were talking through the entire documentary were band members and ian curtis's wife uh, ian curtis's girlfriend and producers and managers all of them were saying that after he died each one of them went through mm-hmm. this period of time where they'd read the lyrics and being like why the fuck didn't we step in yeah like why didn't we say yeah. anything it's so obvious. I thought of that while I was listening to what was the one that I said sounded like a uh, spoiler exhibition. alert. Everybody, Ian Curtis actually committed suicide. Jesus Christ! <laughs> well, we didn't. We didn't say that. Oh, that's fair. Okay, so yeah, I feel like even yeah, looking back on this and looking at oh, it was atrocity. So I guess that was on closer. But there were a lot of lyrics throughout all of this that was like. The fuck did you guys not listen when he was singing, when he was writing this stuff where it's just like so blatantly obvious that these are all like allusions to death, to suicide, to depression. And you're just, let's make another album. Yeah. And like, no shit. You didn't know that like his suicide was a surprise to anyone. It shouldn't have been. Watching other people happy Mm -hmm. and wondering why you can't feel that same way and watching other couples be couples and wondering why he doesn't Mm -hmm. feel that way when he was with someone it's just i think what's was a bummer all the things that he sang about and was depressed about it, it wasn't these crazy feelings of oh this is just an unhealthy depressed person it's all things that you can relate to yeah it's all things that that you felt yourself mm-hmm. but he's expressing it just so much better than and there's so much of it it's weaved in every song my favorite thing about unknown pleasures is that within the first 10 seconds of the album. I'm not kidding. First 10 seconds, you hear 
thousands of bands influenced. Mm -hmm. You look at when this came out and where it came out, you can just start naming off bands that were influenced by this. I guarantee you anyone listening to this podcast right now, one of your favorite bands of all time was influenced directly by Joy Division. Mm -hmm. That's just cool. That's fucking cool. Yeah. I think that's thanks to Unknown Pleasures. We talked about She's Lost Control, which I love Mm -hmm. and, and where that came from. Were there any parts of this album or songs or anything like that that stuck out to you? I enjoyed that they had a lot of, they experimented with sound a lot. I had read that they had used uh, potato chips. They had used bottles. They used a bunch of different stuff. At one point I was like, spray bottle. Spray bottle. Yeah. Insight sounded like there was like a laser gun fight right in the middle of that, which I was into. (laughs) Uh, And it was kind of unexpected sounds, which I. The guitar work in Unknown Pleasures is incredible. If you're not a huge Joy Division person, but you are a musician, just go to Day of the Lords. Just listen Mm -hmm. to the guitar in that song. It's fucking incredible. Every song has a different influence brought to the rest of rock music. The only other one that I'd bring up is the song Wilderness. If you listen to Wilderness, so I talk about Nine Inch Nails probably like every single fucking episode of this podcast. And if you listen to Wilderness, Wilderness is the complete influence for Nine Inch Nails. Uh, No matter what happens, I'm just going to feel inadequate talking about Unknown Pleasures. It's just not going to... I'm never going to do it justice. So let's talk their second album. Let's talk Closer. Let's. Closer came out in 1980, so two years later. It was one one year later. The EP was 78. Good job, stats. Closer was 80. One year later, they toured with Unknown Pleasures around Europe. They didn't... They hadn't even gone to the States yet. They recorded Closer... Which this is another super weird thing about bands back then is they were being recognized as an amazing band and people were respecting them. They weren't rich. They hadn't gone to the States for a tour. They were still playing in teeny, teeny fucking Mm -hmm. clubs. This is what I love about Closer. If you just listen to Unknown Pleasures, all it is is just, it's 39 minutes of influencing every rock band you've ever Mm -hmm. loved. Closer is this almost otherworldly The band was really trying to invent things while Ian Curtis was philosophical author obsessed, I guess you could call it. Sure. Half his lyrics, he's he's quoting Kafka, he's quoting Dostoevsky, he's quoting Satra. Anybody that knows Kafka or or Prost or, or Dostoevsky knows that Like, oh, okay, so this is when he was in the really dark period. This is like, he was actively searching for shit Mm -hmm. to make him more depressed. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I Like I kind of said before, it's not my vibe to like make myself more depressed. But I feel like once you're so far down that you just want something to relate to. And that's great stuff to relate to. It really is. Have you seen the cover of Closer, Rachel? Yeah, album cover was designed by Martin Atkins. And Peter Saville? Uh, same guy that did uh, Unknown Pleasure. He didn't take that picture. Did he just design the cover? Yeah, he gave he gave him a few pictures to choose from. They chose gotcha. that. But yeah, it was a photograph of a cemetery, of a tomb in the cemetery. Then they were getting ready to release it, and they were like, uh, so there's a tomb on the cover, and Ian just killed himself. Exactly. Should we do this? How weird is that, though? They didn't come yeah. up with the tomb because Ian Curtis had passed away. They already right. picked that. They already had it going. It's fucking mm-hmm. crazy. Closer feels a lot more, not poppy, but... It's got more of an 80s vibe than that punk. Like, it feels like it's blending more, which is, makes sense. It's, you know, 1980 when it comes out, but a lot of it feels like like this kind of set the standard for what the rock music was to come from that, Absolutely. that period. Musically, it's not as dark. No. Until you start listening to the lyrics. Then it's worse. Then it's worse. <laughs> yes. This is where the 80s influences of, of like Oingo Boingo come in. Or if you if you listen to listen to the song Heart and Soul and tell me that that's not Radiohead 20 years before Kid A, 20 yep. years before Kid A. You love them so I, much. I really do. <laughs> in fact, a band that we just talked about recently that you and I are going to talk about more in season two, The Killers. Mm. I don't remember, not the lead singer, but the guitar player who writes all the songs. He said that Joy Division is their biggest influence. Yeah, I can see that. Songs like Colony is where you hear all the new age, all the modest mouses and the killers and the built Mm -hmm. to spills. That's 
closer without just going song to song and, and talking about it. So as I was going through each of the albums, I was writing down number one, number two, number three, because I was like, these are great songs on this album. There were so many that I found myself having to repeat a lot of songs to like knock it down to five out of the two albums. I did find myself listening to Love Will Tear Us Apart because I was like, I fucking heard this. I know I have. And wouldn't you know, I looked up every movie that it's been in or show yeah. that it's been in. And I was like, that's where I know Joy Division from. It's from so there. But Love Will Tear Us Apart is not on either of the albums. How'd you find it? That's a great question. I don't even oh. know. Yeah, I had to Spotify it separately nice. from those two albums because I listened to both of them. Those are the two albums. That's it. And to quote Tony Wilson, who was the founder of Factory Records, who that's a whole other podcast in itself to talk about Factory Records. That's a fascinating story. But Tony Wilson said the two works of Joy Division are Unknown Pleasures and Closer. Everything else was just merchandising. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to talk a couple more things from these two albums and probably a, a little bit of merchandising. We will be right back. We are back. The music that you heard coming in from the break, Noah Flourish, Goodbye Forever, Maybe, is the name of the song. Really like his tunes. You should check it out, bro. It's really good, man. Yeah, at Noah Flourish Official. And I've spelt it. How do you spell that? I did it too many times. Not doing it again. I've had too many Joy Divisions. That's a, that's a cocktail, not a song. Honestly, though, check him out. Really good stuff. You know you like it because you just heard it, and it was good. Let's get to awards and categories. How good is the band name, the song titles, the album covers? Hit me with it. What do you think? How good is the band name? Let's talk about the band name, Rachel. God. Where does the band name come from, Rachel? I'm curious. So fun story. So I was hanging out in Santa Fe, which is not the city I live in. And Dave was like, hey, do you want to do Joy Division <laughs> in a couple weeks? And I was like, sure, I'm down for everything. It's fine. So David said, don't look it up. And so I, it took me about <laughs> two minutes. And then I looked it up while I was still on vacation. And I was like, wow, that is, that is the darkest, most fucked up name origin I have ever yeah. heard of in my entire life. So for those of you that don't know, the name Joy Division, it comes from a book that was about the Holocaust, House of Dolls. Essentially in the book, which is based on true stories about the Holocaust, there is a place called Joy Division, which is essentially a brothel in an internment camp filled with random women that were whores for Nazis. And that is where this band's name came from. Ladies and gentlemen, I implore you to find a more fucked up, depressing band name than that. Oof. The song titles. I hadn't actually really thought about the song titles. Surprisingly, with the song titles, it's a lot like most rock bands. It's the song where he says isolation 20 times. It's called Isolation. Yeah. Makes sense. So it's not a big, huge deal. Album covers, though. Yeah. I'm really into a, a good album cover. So the Unknown Pleasures was a radio emissions from a rotating neutron star. Yeah. So that's dope. Yeah. And that's been made into how many different t-shirts. I saw online there was some high-end fashion where it was kind of the lining on the inside of a coat. Yeah. Like that's it, I don't... I am not sure that Unknown Pleasures is not the most famous album cover for people that would never know that it's a joy division album cover oh for sure yeah i think that joy division's art in in that regard is one of the best bands of all time their album covers are fucking yeah absurd they're so unbelievably iconic i feel like they're very thoughtful it's not just it doesn't feel like it's something thrown together it's not just pictures of the guys in the band the next question for the awards and categories is how timeless is the band's music i mean this is a joke i mean having it have come out 41 42 years ago respectively for each album and have it be something that i would absolutely listen to today it doesn't feel 
terribly dated, even though I could kind of figure out where it's from. But it's not archaic. It's not old. It doesn't feel doesn't feel as old as it is. Here's a big one, and this is where we can That's what he talk. Said. Band <laughs> member replacements. What is noticeable? Did it change the band for better or for worse? Okay, so. That's a question we ask for every dissection of a band. It's obviously extremely different in this case. Yeah. Ian Curtis hung himself before Closer even came out. Mm -hmm. It's silly to, I mean, is it noticeable? Well, the band went from Joy Division to New Order. So yeah, I'd say it was fairly noticeable. Mm -hmm. I, I listened to barely any New Order and you know, it's incredibly obvious. It's- Who was massive, by the way? Yeah. New Order was one of the biggest bands of the 80s and yeah, 90s yeah, yeah. coming out of Europe. Here's where I kind of went wrong, is I went from listening to 1980, 1979 Joy Division to listening to 19 or 2021 New Order. So yeah, oh. they fucking sound a little different at that point. <laughs> yeah, I can tell the musicians have changed at that point. Then the The two albums that Joy Division put out, there's no changing in characters, are there? No. No, 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 no. no. Terry Mason was the original drummer, went on till 77, but uh, Stephen Morris was the drummer on both the albums. Oh, and then he would have been on the EP as well? Yeah. Yeah, because late 77. Here's my thing about band member replacements, and it's just of, oh, that DL... I just don't do well with it. I've never been a fan of New Order, and it's not because they're not good. It's the same reason that I'm not a fan of Pearl Jam. It's because I was super, super into Mother Love Bone. And when Andrew Wood died, I just couldn't get past that, and I'm not going to be a Pearl Jam fan now. It's the same way as when Lane Staley died and they Allison Chains brought on a new mm-hmm. lead singer. I'm not going to be a fucking... I, like Allison Chains died when Lane Staley died for me. It's like that with Ian Curtis. The band member placement is so noticeable that mm-hmm. I'm probably just not going to be into it anymore. It's like when they that's... replaced Darren on Bewitched and you were like, wait, what? That's exactly. It was very confusing. Didn't know they did that. I was, I was just a child. This is going to be a tough one. A lot of albums to go through. Rachel, yeah. we have to rank the albums. Okay, let me think. Ooh. I didn't rank them, so um, I'm gonna, this is just top off my head. Off. Rachel. Yes, sir. What is your second favorite Joy Division album? How close was it? You know, there was so much stuff that was good on both albums. I feel like there was more better stuff on Closer. Because I did feel a little bit of evolution. I enjoyed the writing a lot better, I think, on Closer than I did on Unknown Pleasures. Even though there was a lot there that I... How about you, Dave? So Unknown Pleasures is your second favorite. Yeah. Blows my mind. Why do you say that? I love both these albums. I love them. Mm -hmm. That said, Unknown Pleasures to me is one of the by far best it's a master it's a fucking masterpiece it's one of the best albums ever created by anyone it's crazy to me that anybody would think that closer is better than unknown pleasures but here's the thing i am completely negating myself because closer is such a fucking amazing album Mm -hmm. so i am calling you ridiculous for (laughs) saying that closer is better than unknown pleasures while at the same time saying that i completely understand how you would think (laughs) closer is better than unknown pleasures that's fair kind of like that actually let's get into the hardest thing i've ever done in my entire life which is state your five favorite joy division songs of all time rachel what is your fifth favorite joy division song of all time uh isolation what track is that off closer number two yeah yes number two so good so good my fifth favorite so this is what sucks (laughs) i have one two three four five six seven eight nine i have 10 songs that are just staring at me here and i have my rankings so i have the other five songs just taunting me (laughs) oh you didn't pick me just so you know you didn't pick me My fifth favorite Joy Division song is New Dawn Fades, Mm. which is off of uh, Unknown Pleasures. So, so far we have one song off of Closer, one song off of Unknown Pleasures. Rachel, what is your fourth favorite song of all time? Insight. Insight. I didn't have that one on mine. That's fine. So different, you and I. We don't have to agree. My number four off of Closer is 24 Hours. I Mm. Okay. 
My God, that song's good. What's your third favorite Joy Division song of all time? Atrocity. That's not the name. What's Exhibition. the name of the song? Atrocity Exhibition. <laughs> Fuck off. You're all about closer. Okay. My third favorite song is Disorder. Oh my gosh. Track one on Unknown Pleasures. You put that album on, it just changes your life. That one was in my top, but then it got kicked out and I apologize. Rachel, what's your number two? She's lost control. Interesting. How so? You're going to see. She's lost control is a good song. Mm-hmm. My number two is Candidate, Ooh. Uh, which is the, I think the third song on Unknown Pleasures. Rachel, what is your favorite Joy Division song? Love will tear us apart. Joy Division is fucking crazy because I think one of their best songs of all time wasn't on one of their albums mm-hmm. in Love Will Tear Us Apart. Dead Souls, which is another one of their best songs of all time that was not on an album. And then they had Transmission, which was an amazing song that they didn't have on one of their albums. The it's fucking crazy. It's like Black so Pink all over again. I'm actually... <laughs> See, Joy Division and Blackpink are similar. Take that back. You have to see me in person in like 19 days. You realize that, right? <laughs> Three of their most popular songs of all time, In Love Will Tear Us Apart, Transmission, and Dead Souls, they weren't even on their albums. Mm-mm. It's fucking crazy. While I think Love Will Tear Us Apart is one of the reasons I'm such a big Joy Division fan, it didn't make it on my top five, which shocked me when I went through my number one favorite Joy Division song of all time is She's Lost Control. I knew it. That is the perfect storm of depression and amazingness. Just I called it. The song is already amazing with him doing his low, oh, we lost control. The guitar doing the build up. And then you find out the actual fucking story behind it. That's my favorite. Your number two is my number one. We're actually pretty close there, which is interesting because we didn't have any samesies for the rest of them. I don't like to pour a carrots. Ah, This is the problem with when I drink is I have so much editing to do. (laughs) Rachel, why don't I feel like I'm doing Ian Curtis justice here? I feel like when you love someone so much, you just want to give them your everything and you can't. No way. Well put. I need you to rate Joy Division. Oh. People have a Mount Rushmore or Mm -hmm. a top 10 or a this Mm -hmm. or that. Where does this band stand for you in the pantheon of all bands? They're so good. But it and it goes back to, I think they're amazing. I think they're fantastic. Both of these albums are so good. So, so good. I would rate them very high. They're super talented. And this is great music. And this is great writing. But I'm not going to listen to it again. Okay. Uh, 9.7 out of 10. Yeah. Okay, that works. So we no, need? I don't know. Okay. I had to think about this. A fucking lot. They aren't on my Rushmore. It is a task <laughs> to say that they are not on my Mount Rushmore, but they aren't. That said, surprising. I have decided through listening to this and that they are in my top 10 bands of all time. So I am doing it. This is the first one that we've talked about. They are a top 10 band for me. One of the last things that we need to do, what we have been doing for all the band dissections is we have been rating our favorites thus far. So far in the show total, there have been, uh, in order, Foo Fighters, done by Sven and I, and then NWA, done also by Sven and I, and then Muse, done also by Sven and I, and now Joy Division. So, Rachel. Yes, sir. Not best, but favorites. Rank those four band slash groups. I'm interested. I honestly have no idea how this is going to go. I have an idea of who your favorite is. Interesting. But... I'm curious to... Um, are you just drinking straight up liquor right now? Just I, This is the same scotch. So this is because I've been good for the last two Is there hours. ice in there? No, they're... Oh, they're the balls. Rocks. Gotcha. Keep it cool, but not too cool. My favorites, not necessarily best, but favorites. I wanted to put... Mm-hmm. And I know this sounds surprising. I wanted to put Joy Division at the top. Okay. But then I rewatched Kiss Guy last night and I was like, I love, I love Foo Fighters so much. Wow. Okay. I just have such good memories from high school from listening to them when they came out. So Foo Fighters wins. 
Joy Division slid in a very close second. Okay. Um, NWA is great. Okay. And should be higher, but they're third. And then Muse is sadly last. Well, it's only four bands thus far. Yeah. Soundly, so you are, you are not a Muse fan at all. I wouldn't. It's it's one of those bands where it's like, I wouldn't turn it off, but I wouldn't turn it on on purpose. Okay. And yourself? Uh, okay. Is that how you thought so it would go? I honestly... No, I kind of, I I thought, and now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know how a woman would ever have them at the top of their list, NWA. but I kind of thought NWA was going to be your favorite. Yeah. But then I remembered the second album, which is Let's Murder All the Bitches. And <laughs> it's like, maybe not. <laughs> um, my least favorite is NWA. V- very, very close, but Foo Fighters would actually be my third least. Yikes. I'm not, I, I very much enjoy the Foo Fighters but I'm not the fan that it seems like most people tend to be. That's fine. What was really hard for me was Muse and Joy Division because Muse is probably one of my 10 favorites of the last 10 years. Really? Yeah, I love Muse, hmm. but I can't put them above Joy Division. Mm. So my my rankings as it stands, the four bands we've dissected are NWA, then Foo Fighters, then Muse, then Joy Division. In reverse order. Well, I always start from least to best. I know, and I start it's, from best to least. I should do it the other Which doesn't way. make sense. It doesn't make yeah, sense. I know I'm doing it wrong. It's buildup. Okay, I'm glad we... <laughs> so that's it for Joy Division. Uh, Rachel, how do you think we did? We did fine. Solid B minus. We did our homework. I would agree with that. We did. Look, Rachel, Joy Division is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think we did pretty good for as depressing as they are. That was fucking fun. Anybody else want to talk more about them? Just write me because I will talk to you forever. Join us next week. I get to talk to one of my favorite people that I've met since doing this podcast in Carrie Kirkland. We talk her album. We talk her insane fucking life. And some other things. You didn't... Did you want to hear the things to do while listening to Joy Division? Oh, fuck. What if they're shit, though? Then you don't have to worry about where to put them. Hey, fuck face. Perfect. Listen to me. Okay. Okay. Here are the top six things to do while listening to Joy Division. Okay, go ahead, Rachel. I'm ready. Number six. Get murdered. Get murdered. Number six. Get murdered. Number five. Rachel. Joy Division. Number five. Number five. Make a mixtape for my nightmares. Make a mixtape for Rachel's nightmares. Okay. Number four. Walk down a dimly lit street while being followed. I like that one. Number That's th- actually... <laughs> that probably should have been number one. Okay. Let's hear... No, number one's let's good. Let's hear the next one. Number okay. three. Contemplate the futility of existence. Well, that one's too real. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Number two, think about how fun divorce is. We didn't even touch on the fact that it doesn't no. matter. Look, oh, geez. Yeah. Let's, what's number one? Heroin. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Rachel, thank you for doing that with me. I'm sorry if it took you to bad places. <laughs> I think that's it. I think that's all I got. Thanks for inviting me to join you. I was trying to be, uh, what's his name? Who's the, who's the Paul Schaefer? I was trying to be the Paul Schaefer to your David Letterman. I don't even know if I said this yet, so I'm going to say it right now. Ladies and gentlemen, good night and good luck. Thank you very much. (laughs) Oh, I.